This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. We've got a question from a listener about upgrading. Is upgrading or revaluing your hand, Barry? Is that the same? Not, not quite, I don't think. I suppose it's sort of similar. So when Kermit comes onto the show, you and Kermit are going to talk about the BCCs, the event that a whole lot of Kiwis played on the weekend. We've also got Judge Julie. We've got a nice question for her. When is enough enough? And you have to change that system card. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's right. Let's have a look at this. Question is, when you play one no trump, is it better if you open a weak no trump, 12 to 14, with an upgraded 11 count, balance 10, maybe a couple of extra 10s and 9s? Or is it more often done when you have a strong 15 to 17 opening no trump? What's the difference between that? I don't think there is much. Well, obviously there is a difference because one's stronger than the other, but it's still yeah. a case of upgrading. Although your agreement is 12 to 14, some pairs will open, they'll put it on their system card, it's 11 to 14. They open most 11s, if not all of them. And they like to do that. I'd rather use your discretion, which hands you're going to upgrade. Why would you upgrade a hand and call it 12 to 14 when it's only 11? Well, it, maybe it has a five card suit in it somewhere. Maybe it has a few tens and nines. Your suits have good texture. If you've got two four-card suits and they're full of tens, nines, and eights, if they've only got four threes and twos, Mariana, it's light years apart. <laughs> you've got a suit that says you've got king four three two, and I've got king ten nine eight. It's just a way better hand. Yeah. So if your suits are looking chunky mm-hmm. like that, then that's a time when you want to think about upgrading. There is, of course, the alternative view where people downgrade hands when they don't look so good. So maybe you've got a 12 count and it doesn't have any 10s, 9s and 8s and it's got really bad shape. It's four triple three. What's that? The, is it the grapefruit or the passion fruit? What do we call it? Oh, I don't know. That's something that four new. Triple three, that ugly looking hand when you've uh, only got one four card suit and you've got no pips and you've got a 12 count. I mean, I've got to say, if I was playing 12 to 14, I'd probably still open it. You know, maybe you could look at not opening that hand if it's really bad. What's the worst can happen if you think, well, it's a 12 count, but it's so horrible, it looks like an 11 count? Sometimes, Barry, you've got a balanced hand and you've got three aces. And the dilemma is, do I open? Do I tell partner exactly what I have? 12 to 14, balanced, but I've only got three aces. Would you open? Or pass. Mariana, Mariana, I'm shocked. We've been doing this show for how many years is it now? This is our fourth year, is it? Oh, God knows. I'm so old and cranky. If you have got three aces, Mariana, you have a good hand. How many times have I said partners never complain when you put down three aces and dummy? If you've got three aces in your 12 count, and I've got four queens and four jacks in mine. I know which hand I'd sooner have, and it wouldn't be the one with the queens and the jacks. 
That was four points, Mariana. I love aces. If there's anybody in the country that doesn't know how much I love aces, I'm telling you now. <laughs> if I could carry an ace, I would. If we're in Trump suits, no problem. It is tough. You've got three aces, you're vulnerable, 12 to 14, you're still going to open, yeah? Absolutely. If I've got three aces, I'm opening every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Okay. I, 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 aces are they're great. They're going to take three tricks, Mariana. Those queens and jacks, half the time, they won't take anything. There's a lot of people out there that actually take a breath and they think, oh, will I? And I must admit, I close my eyes and write one in T. Do I like it? No, I don't. I can only see three tricks in my hand and I'm asking an awful lot from partner to have something in there. Who knows? I'll probably expect to double. What do you think? Okay, you've only got three tricks in your hand. If you haven't got any aces, guess what? You haven't got any tricks in your hand. <laughs> oh, there he goes. That's why you've I, been playing give for me, give me the three tricks every day of the week. Don't underestimate the value of an ace. In fact, some people, a lot of top players, say that if their partner opens the bidding and they have an ace, they will respond, even with only a four count, because aces are that good, Mariana. Yeah, I have heard that. A lot of people say, well, I have a trick that I can help you with immediately. Okay, my second part of the question when we're talking about upgrading your hand, let's say you play 12 to 14, and you've got the sexiest looking 14 count balanced hand would you consider upgrading that to a 15 count? So then you have to open a suit and rebid one no trumps. It is way more powerful than a 14 count. Still a 14 count. Do you agree? I do. I do agree. This is the same situation. I mean, I play a strong no trump mostly, 15 to 17, and a lot, of, a lot of our listeners do too. So you're in the same situation there. If you've got a nice looking 14 count, maybe it's got a five card suit. Maybe it's got lots of intermediates. Maybe it's got two aces and two kings. Woohoo. Yeah. You know how much I love that. You know, maybe you've decided for whatever reason, decided this is better than a weak no trump hand. So your strong no trumpers, of course, they can just open that and no trump and call it 15 to 17. Upgrade their hand and call it 15 to 17. It doesn't come with any guarantees, Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps it may not be sympathetic if it doesn't work out. Some 14s are way better than other 14s. Some 12s are way better than other 12s. It's the point count is only a guide at the end of the day. My suggestion would be, if you like the look of your hand and you want to upgrade it, go for it. But if you want to downgrade, be reluctant to do that. I sort of wouldn't do that. I guess that what I'm saying is upgrade frequently, downgrade real. I don't mean upgrade every 14 count you get. Anything you really like the look of and you think this is better, go for it. What's the worst can happen, Mariana? I have to do a bit of thinking, lose some grey cells. <laughs> hey, I was reading the latest Bridge Rama Plus magazine, which is a French publication about Larry Cohen. No, you is... French, Mariana. No, I read the English version. Anyway, oh, okay. you get that through Funbridge Connection, but have a look at it. There's an article written by Larry Cohen, our friend, called about hand evaluation. And he starts off at the beginning that he thinks that aces and kings are worth a little bit more than yep. uh, four, three, four. And he thinks that queens and jacks probably aren't worth that much. Uh, but he yep. 
he did actually put down that he thought that an ace was probably closer to a six count. Oh, wow. Well, that's even yeah. better than my four and a half. That's yeah. inflation for you, Mariana. <laughs> if anyone wants to have a read, go and have a read. It's 30 pages long, this magazine. Barry, it's got some pretty good stuff in it. I think when you talk about hand evaluation, in a lot of situations, you're looking about as the auction goes along, sometimes your hand will get better and sometimes yep. it'll get worse, depending on what partner bids, what the opponent's overcall or bid or whatever. So sometimes your cards look well placed or badly placed, or it looks like your hand's fitting well with partner or it's not fitting. That's more about revaluing your hand as the auction goes along. Whereas upgrading and downgrading is something that you do perhaps before any bidding starts. If you're going to open a note trump, you don't have anything to base that on other than the look of your hand. You don't know how well placed your cards are. You just decide whether you like the, the look of your hand. You sure you haven't read that article, Barry? Because that's smacks of the information that Mary was writing about. <laughs> no, I haven't. I... No, I kid you not. He did say about re-evaluation is be patient and learn more information from the auction. And upgrading or downgrading comes at the beginning so well done it's the barry and larry show <laughs> yeah well i don't know whether larry would be pleased to hear that but i am <laughs> hey um this weekend you've got some great bridge to play yes yeah, so it's the tri nations coming up between australia indonesia and new zealand each country's put two teams in each category that's open senior woman and mixed and also youth i think mm, i'm not 100 sure about that but anyway so they're all putting in two teams you play all of the other countries we won't play our other new zealand team but we will play the two indonesian teams we'll play the two australian teams and then we'll do it all again we're playing them all twice that sounds good so how many boards do you think you'll be playing this weekend something like 12 or 14 board matches either 96 or 112 something like that well, good luck with that. So people will be able to watch it on Real Bridge if they want to have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, we're heading off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Good morning, Judge Julie. Good morning. We've got a special question for you this morning, Judge. If you have a partner who's in the habit of upgrading their 11 counts that they like the look of and opening a 12 to 14 no trump, or maybe upgrading their 14 counts and opening a strong no trump with 15 to 17, or even maybe if they're someone that decides they'll open the occasional week two with only a five card suit instead of six. The question is, how often do they have to do that before you as their partner are obliged to advise the opponents? Is it once? Is it twice? Is it 20 times? How do we know? Lovely, lovely question. Okay, I'm going to get into one of those things that I really loathe and detest, and that is the saying, it's just bridge. So, I know, and it is the worst thing, and it really is annoying. So, there are hands where there are exceptions about what you open, because like triple four one hands where you're truly stuck for a bit, and you make a decision about what you're opening because you think that actually is the best description of your hand. Now, that tends to be a rarity and your partner doesn't expect you to have a singleton when you open one no trump. So as long as it remains a rarity, then that is actually not a problem. The same sort of comes into point count. If 
I open nearly all 11 counts, and Patrick and I do, because we play 11 to 14, then my partner's going to have to start announcing that it's 11 to 14. No if, buts, maybes, and if I upgrade nearly all my 14 counts to 15, the same thing. Because I had a partner who told me off because I downgrade things, and apparently you're not allowed to do that. And also there's the saying that there's no such thing as a bad 15 count, is there? Right? But there are a lot of really good 14 counts. The thing that makes a hand more exceptional would be the things that maybe we don't value quite with points. That would be a five-card suit. If you've got ace, queen, jack, da-da-da-da, and five-card suit, you've got extra tricks. The hand is worth more than the point count suggests because you've got the facility where you might make extra tricks. If you've got hands with tens and nines to go with queens and jacks or kings or aces, then you've got potential trick-taking ability that you don't have. So if you've got ace, queen, ten, nine, you've got the potential to make four tricks. If you've got ace, queen, three, two, you've got the potential to make two tricks, both six counts. So at times, we can upgrade hands. And that's not necessarily an agreement with partners because we think this hand really looks like it has that value that we assign to whatever our one no trump opening bid is or whatever we're talking about and that doesn't really need an extension but it does if it starts being most of them or 50 percent of them and i'm not going to give you a percentage of exactly where this line in the sand is because i can't cope with all the mail i'll get about how wrong i am but i will tell you a story okay. this book here is a book about a computer that plays bid called Chisonic. And Chisonic came up with this wonderful system of evaluating hands. And Patrick and I decided, one Congress, that we would give this a go because it really is good. It values aces higher and queens and jacks lower, which everyone says is absolutely right to do. Four and a half points for an ace, three points for a king, one and a half for a queen and three quarters for a jack. If you have a four triple three hand, you take a point away. And then you have this neat system where you look at the other cards in your hand. Tight honours, king, queen, tight, doubleton, no length. They're really bad holdings. So you deduct half a point for that. Honours <laughs> that are unsupported, you deduct half a point. Honours that are supported, you can start adding in points. So I sat there on the first hand of Congress this year and I started counting my points and somewhere where I'd lost track of what I was doing or starting again, I thought, we don't have enough time in the world for me to play this system. <laughs> but it is really, really good. And there's one around called Zars as well. Problem is that when we're telling people what we play, if I say Chisonic or I say Zars, my opponents look at me like, what the hell does that mean? What okay. planet are you on? I've really got to bring it back to where it is understandable. And I really do. And if you're playing something that's weird and people don't understand, you have to find a way to explain it so people do. But mainly, if you are upgrading and downgrading the occasional rear hand because it looks too good for whatever reason, then that is fine and it's not really a partnership agreement because it's not happening enough. But if you're upgrading 
half or three quarters of your 14 counts to 15 or your 11 counts to 15 seriously it now becomes we play 12 to 14 but my partner frequently upgrade so if you frequently upgrade or downgrade it should be part of your explanation because your partner will be expecting values that aren't the ones being described when you're saying about what the meaning of the bit is. But if it's a rarity and it's you think that that's really the best way of describing your hand and it happens very infrequently, then that is fine. Well, kia ora. That's it for this week. Thank you, Julie. Okay, have a good day. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond with Kermit. Phenomena. Well, good morning, Kermit. I've got a question straight up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Go on. Hello. Are we calling today week 51 with the bridge zone? Or we setting the dial back to the good old number one? Well, we're just changing the format a little bit. I've done 50 bridge tips over the last 50 weeks and hope you've all enjoyed those. We're changing it a little bit to down at the pond with Kermit, where we're just going to talk about some topic to do with bridge. It's good that it's about bridge. <laughs> well, you know, we quite often digress, don't we? So you never know what could happen and where we could go. But today I've got a question for you both, and I'd really like to hear what the listeners think too. We've been playing a little bit on real bridge. Screens or no screens? So by that, when we're playing on real bridge, the organisers can choose to have screens like you would have in an international event where you can't see your partner during the bidding and the play, only the person on your side of the table. And that's standard practice in international matches, and it's quite easy to set up in Real Bridge. Or just how it normally is at the table where you can see all four players and it feels very naturally like a, like a bridge table. So any thoughts on that, you two? In terms of teams event, I've only really had one example and we played with screens, so I can't really offer any real opinion on playing teams with screens or no screens. That was your first experience playing behind screens, Mariana? Yeah, to be honest, I loved it. Aha! So you've got something to compare it to. You've got playing at a normal table, but you preferred playing behind screens. Why was that? I felt actually that I could concentrate a lot better. Ah. So for me, I guess I do have an opinion. I did. I could only concentrate on myself. I didn't get any other sort of body language or anything from the other people. We just It was just me, myself and I to worry about. What about you, Barry? You've played a few international matches. I really like screens. I find them, it's relaxing. You're in your own little world there. All you've got to worry about is what you need to do. You need to worry about all the other extraneous things going all around the room or whatever. Yeah. I, I really like them. But what surprised me was we had a bit of, we had a couple of practice sessions on Real Bridge before the Hamilton Congress that we ran online, which was yeah. behind screens. And so we, because it was as much for the director as anyone, we had a lot of just our, our club players playing. They were just making up the numbers so that the director would have a practice. And they were all playing behind screens. What surprised me was that all of those club members, most of who never even play in a tournament, let alone behind screens, they absolutely loved them. They really enjoyed screens. And that surprised me. 
Yeah, oh, well, that's good to hear. And I'm guess you're wondering what I think. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> well, for all those reasons that you've said, I also think that it cuts out a lot of ethical dilemmas when you're playing behind screens. And that is, of course, why they are used in international matches. We don't have to worry about alerts or late alerts and unauthorised information. We don't know the questions that our partner is asking the opposition all the other way around. For instance, I did have one on the weekend that I was a little bit disappointed in. I opened a precision two clubs and my, my partner bid two diamonds and I bid two spades and then got quizzed about that diamond bid. Is that natural? And I said, well, yes, and it's a strong inquiry, but does it show diamonds? <laughs> Which it didn't. And then I based my subsequent bidding on the fact that I was pretty sure that person had a stack of diamonds. So those things don't happen behind screens. And I think it's a good reason to use them. Also, I don't want to see my partner's facial expression when they're bidding. And I don't want the opposition to see each other's. I just think it solves quite a lot of ethical things. And it's actually quite social because... You can talk to your screen mate without sort of worrying too much about passing information to your partner. So I'd be pro. I think they're really good. Pam, I got copied in on an email over the weekend about somebody asking about sort of the ethical problems you have when, exactly what you were saying, when people ask about bids, when, when all four of you are visible and, and hearable. Obviously, there's unauthorised information backwards and forwards. This person at the, at the end of their email, their last line was, I love screens. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I was going to be devil's advocate, and somebody has to be, because we can't all be in favour. I mean, people that are against screens probably are saying, oh, it's much more sociable and much more like real bridge when you can see all four people around the table. Yes, well, I guess that's true. Whether that's worth all the other aggro that is caused that you avoid by having screens, uh, I, I don't think it does. I think screens are way better. Well, I mean, things like, I mean, we had a late alert. That doesn't happen behind screens. They're just yeah. much better, and that's why they're used in international matches. There's so many benefits from being behind screens. If you haven't played behind screens, anybody that's listening, you get a chance, give it a whirl. We'd love to know what you think as well, because I think we're going to be seeing a few more online events, and I'm sure the organisers are interested in the feedback as well. So if you've got an opinion, drop us an email, bridgezoneshuffle at gmail.com. But Christmas coming up, Pam, any ideas oh, well, for our listeners for Christmas presents? I have got a Christmas present for everybody. As some of you may know, I have an online classroom with Learn Bridge Online, and it runs every Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. And if you can't make it live, then you can watch the class on replay. And the name of the class is Critical Thinking at the Bridge Table. It's mostly focused on defence, but... We talk about all kinds of interesting things. For a special for BridgeZone listeners, if you use the code BridgeZone, then you will get 75% off your first month subscription. Wow. So there you go, a little Christmas present for everybody. Wow, Black Friday and Cyber Monday has been and gone, but here you go. <laughs> Pam's gone. It's a while since I've scored that. Sounds good. <laughs> 
So we look forward to seeing a few new faces. Good. Wow, that's a great discount. As I said, it's mostly focused on defence. And my second favourite bridge discipline, which is just the non-technical stuff, the psychology of the game about performing well and that type of thing. But we also talk a little bit about bidding and a little bit about declare a place. And it's an interactive class. There's chat and you can ask questions during the lesson and ask questions after the lessons. So we do really welcome some new faces. Google Learn Bridge Online and you'll you'll find my class there. Join us next week at the Lily Pad with Pam Livingston Bridge Coach. See you. Mana, mana. For the weekend, Barry, all the very best. Yeah. Thank you for that. Oh, God, I hope it goes better on the weekend. Yeah, See how well, we go. I it think will. It's one, a stupid game. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I think it was really good to play that many boards the weekend before because we haven't been playing much and it probably showed. <laughs> well, you'd think the same thing. It would be certainly good to do that the week before an event like that. Yeah, I'm quite pleased that I'm finding that I'm adjusting and I, and I wasn't, I didn't get that as tired as, I've been finding it. So you do get match fit, don't you? And you need to. Well, some people don't need to. Sometimes I feel if I have a break, I come back and I'm sharper. But mostly I think I need to be playing all the time to keep my brain ticking over. I think um, those top players like Sartash and all that, I mean, they're playing week in or certainly month in, month out. They're playing at top level, high class bridge fields all the time. That's got to be good for your bridge. Whereas... We don't usually. It's no, well, but we've got the opportunity now, haven't we? Well, we I have. mean, I'm actually playing on Sunday as Swiss Peers in Australia, and I'm going to play in Canberra. And yep. I'm looking out for further afield because I just love, you yep. know, like even though we didn't do very well, I just, it's just so much better than playing. That we can play in strong fields. So often, we're playing in Canberra too. I think it's great. Because it's something New Zealand's really struggled with. Yeah, getting that competition, isn't it? Maybe that's something yeah. to talk about next week. Yeah, that's a good topic. All right, Pam, see ya. Okay. Guys, let's comment about the new brand launch that New Zealand Bridge did. New Zealand Bridge, a game for life. Yeah, that's exciting. So New Zealand Bridge is obviously trying to appeal to more people and rebrand the, the old brand, if you like, to make it more attractive and try and attract more people to play bridge. I'm in favour of anything like that. So good on them. And perhaps we can get somebody on the show, Mariana, to, to talk us through that. That'll be great. I'm sure people will be interested. I quite like it. It's nice and fresh. So it's a bit okay. like a new, new political party standing for parliament, Mariana. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not go there. <laughs> no. All right. And I've got a little bit more extra information from Judge Julie's segment. For those who are wanting the details of the book, Look, it's a fiction book. It is really quite amusing. It's got some really Tell good stuff what in it. Tell us what the title and who the author is again, please. Human Bridge Errors, Volume 1 of Infinity, collected and analysed by Chisonic, edited by Danny Kleinman and Nick Stragusi. That name again, Julie? The Chisonic? What is it? Chisonic. C-H-T-H-O-N-I-C. The Incredible Bridge Playing Computer. Wow. Okay. He doesn't like humans. He's a very arrogant bridge-playing computer. And I did say he. Julia's waving this book around at us, listeners, but I know you can't see it. 
she's quite passionate about this book. There are some good bits in it. And, right. and there are some really good bits about, as you said, like with Larry Cohen and things like that, about the way you look at them and how you look at them differently as the auction progresses. Very good. Thank you, everybody. Catch you next week. Okay. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.